0: Hello, I am here with Sam Fong, who started at age 18 with stocks and private lending and then also real estate back in 2008. And right now he's doing angel and venture investments as well as flipping properties in the San Francisco Bay Area. Uh, You also run Asian Investors Network and you are launching a venture fund for early stage startups led by Asian founders later this year. Did I get a good uh, overview of? Everything that you've accomplished so far? <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good O for you. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um Yeah, dude, like I think we wanna start with your story because you know, I think this whole podcast is gonna be about how as Asian men and women are we gonna start building wealth for ourselves. And I think we're already doing a good job of that. Asian people are in general, but you know, we just wanna make it even better. Sure. Uh, <laughs> we we could all use you a little bit want more money, to right? Grow more money. <laughs> But I think we'll start off with like our... Actually, can I ask how old you are first?
1: Yeah, sure. I'm 34 now. Oh, 34. I 34 You're pretty young.
0: Year. Yeah. Nice. How old so do I you've look? Been, yeah, so I, for some reason, I thought you were a little older. I think it's because you've done all these like different accomplishments. But, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, that makes sense. And then a little bit of your background, right? Like what was your upbringing? Like? Yeah,
1: so my parents uh, moved over to Canada. Uh, before I was born, uh, when they were 18 or so. So they're the typical immigrant story, came here with nothing. Uh, they didn't have enough money to, you know, for a return ch- uh, ticket back to, to China and Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And so uh, they met while they're in college. And um, at the time, you know, my parents didn't know how to speak English. They had no money. Uh, they had no connections, no family here. And they just sacrificed a lot and um, made it work. Then I moved over to America before I was born, and I was born here in the Bay Area, uh, San Francisco Bay Area. Um, So I would say that we had a pretty middle-class lifestyle. Um, You know, growing up, we were always taught about the importance of saving, and uh, not spending too much, uh, getting a good job. You know, the the very uh, Asian um, upbringing. The school I went to was very competitive. It was like eighty. 80% Asian, so everyone was expected to go to an Ivy League school to get really great grades and score highly on their SATs and get a good job afterwards. Um, And my whole family is in the medical field, so the fact that I wanted to pursue business was definitely a thorn in their side. Like, as late as um, senior year of college, they're still holding out hope that I would take the MCATs and Go up to be a good doctor.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a very typical story. I mean, I'm surprised that they don't see the value of business though, because <laughs> I think with my yeah. parents, they were very uh pro-business, so that's that was the good part. but it was it was okay. like a riskier move, right, to be in business, but it, yeah. in the long run, it's like it's way more fulfilling. but so so let me ask you this. um are you Chinese? I am. Yeah, okay, great. yeah. so I think we have a similar background. Because your parents probably came over um, as like students, right? Like yeah, maybe PhD right. or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's like very similar background to like a lot of Chinese yeah. kids.
1: Uh, even yeah. Even nowadays.
0: So, oh yeah, hundred percent. Like, I think it's yeah, I think it's uh, very very common to to have the uh, the, the that immigrant story where it's like our parents were very very poor, they came in, worked really hard, but they had the education. Uh, to give you like at least a middle-class upbringing, uh, which is quite impressive uh, for them. So what is... Oh, yeah. It it was
1: very inspirational. Like it was a great Mm -hmm. uh, example for me growing up. Oh, yeah,
0: for sure. For sure. And then what is your main like revenue source today? Can you... Or is it just like divided between a bunch of different ones?
1: I'd say it's divided, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll share a breakdown. So my income... And my net worth grows really by my investing and my uh, and my work. So I work for a private equity firm which manages uh, roughly $1.3 billion of investor equity.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so we specialize in commercial real estate. Um, aside from that, uh, I believe you alluded to it earlier, but I also flip houses in the Bay Area. So I renovate properties and uh, sell them for a higher price. And yeah. other than that, I also um, I invest in stocks. I receive uh, distributions from private equity investments, from uh, venture investments, as well as uh, commercial real estate uh, rents. Mm-hmm. So okay. I, I guess it's a pretty diverse mix.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. And then can you share like a range of how much your investments are worth right now or maybe your total net worth, something like that?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, I'd say my net worth is between one and five million. So okay. there's range there for you. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. in terms That's of uh, stocks, uh, probably about a million bucks. Uh,
0: mm-hmm. I
1: have a lot invested in commercial real estate. And then, uh, my residential real estate is generally short-term stuff. Um, I don't have uh, long-term holds in residential right now.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And would you say that, uh, you, you just use the capital from your job as like your initial capital, basically, like you didn't really, there wasn't any other like source of income was there? Yeah, I I started
1: when I was 18, so that was before I started working. And Mm -hmm. I really started because, uh, it's very cliche, but I read the book uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then I got really into investing, like I was obsessed. I would study it uh, every single day for three, four hours, Uh, this during high school, senior year of high school. And so at the time I had already been selling on eBay, like I played a card game called Magic, The Gathering. And there's like a difference between the street price and the eBay price. So I would kind of argue, uh, arbitrage between the two prices, uh, which is a lot of fun. That, <laughs> that kind of Wait, told so, me that I like So
0: what does that mean? There's this, there's, there's a street price. This is, that's what, like uh lower and, yeah, the it eBay depends. price is higher. Yeah. So right? sometimes
1: the eBay price yeah. is higher. Sometimes the street price is higher. So mm. I, I just try to see, you know, what's selling for on the streets, like with my friends yeah. or like other people that I meet and what it's selling for on eBay. And this is like the early days of eBay, like 2005, 2004. Right. So uh, there's
0: probably so much money to be made on eBay back then. <laughs> there was.
1: <laughs> right? I mean, people were crazy with it. Like, so they sold like Xbox boxes for like 400 right. bucks. Right? Xbox it was, like, boxes. There was, like, like yeah, there's box. like straight up scams, like a box.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. yeah, people made yeah. money in crazy ways.
0: Oh, no, I know a lot of people, especially a lot of my friends, they got started with the eBay like eBay as their first business, I think that was a great idea. Like, I think I had a friend who did like cell phone flipping, oh, wow. or like even shoe flipping, like stuff like that. Yeah. So that's awesome, dude. And then, so do you know, like how much money you started with? Was it like just a few sales and you had like a few hundred bucks and you started and, and went from there or how did you?
1: Yeah, I actually went all the way to uh, 7,500. So that's how much okay. I started with when I first began investing. 7,500. So how old were you? 18. 19?
0: 18? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you had yeah. 7,518. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's um, like, yeah. It
1: wasn't bad. Uh, it was a pretty good start. And mm-hmm. I went all in right when I turned 18. <laughs> yeah. All my life savings in my first uh,
0: <laughs> stock. And what, what was your first stock?
1: It was called uh, Universal Display Corporation. So back then mm-hmm. it was called, uh, it had a ticker P-A-N-L. Nowadays mm-hmm. it's called O-L-E-D. Um, and if you look it up, uh, Maybe you can do this offline or something. But if you look it up, I bought it at uh, seven bucks. Okay. Um, it is now. Let's see here. It is now two hundred and twenty-two. Oh damn! So that's like a thirty-something x. <laughs> but unfortunately, damn. I was too smart for my own good, so I mm-hmm. just sold it at like a hundred percent, hundred forty percent, and things like that. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. Or I could just. Hey. That's fine. I mean, for you got days. you had to
0: get the profits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So, so right now you said you're about a million in the stock market, right? Yeah. Is that including crypto or not?
1: Uh no. Uh solely. Okay. Stocks. How
0: much are you in crypto? Yeah.
1: Can you in crypto, that in? that's my more speculative part of my portfolio. I'm generally kind of um, not super, not a huge risk taker. Like I, I like right. my investments to perform how I think they're going to perform and uh, control the risk there. So I, I'd say maybe like under hundred grand for a crypto.
0: Oh, OK. Yeah, that's pretty nice. That's pretty it's yeah. a little little start on crypto. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, my dad was big in like stocks, but then his crypto investments just shot up. So oh, then nice. his crypto became the most part of his <laughs> stocks.
1: Oh, wow. That's really cool. Um, I got okay, in a crypto cool. game late.
0: Oh, you got in too late. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then, so what is your philosophy with investing? Like, I know there's like different people who like, they, they day trade or they just like buy and hold Like, what is your like personal philosophy?
1: So my general philosophy is, uh, don't lose money obviously. (laughs) And also that, um, I want to get the return that I'm looking to get. Like, I don't have to be super greedy, but if I expect a certain return, I want to do everything that I can to hit that certain return. So, for example, in stocks, um, I want to hit above 10% um, okay. annualized every year. In real estate, um, that's that number is like in the mid teens mm-hmm. um, in terms so of. So, like 15% percent yeah, let's, type thing? Yeah, they okay. say like 15% every year or so. Um, and in crypto, I guess it's just anything goes, but <laughs> that's why it's like a hundred percent at least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> yeah. Um, um yeah. so th-
0: yeah, that's a good, uh, right. That's a good goal. But how do you make sure that that happens? Like that seems like a very hard thing to, to do.
1: Yeah. So I have a uh, very specific strategies and I don't really deviate too much beyond that. Like I have right. to understand the investment. I have to know, I have to be able to do my due diligence properly. Uh, you know, like, okay understand all the risk factors, control for the uh, uh, as many outcomes as I can. So mm. there's generally like a, a base case, like what you expect to happen in any given right. investment, a upside scenario, like if things perform well, this is what you should get and a downside scenario. So for example, if if, you know, things hit the fan, um, how, how are you going to perform and how are you going to get your money back? So right, right. with stocks and real estate and my different strategies, there's, there's something different with each asset class. So for uh, real estate flips, for example, you want to, it's a short-term thing. So you need to uh, be able to get in, get out, and your assumptions have to be correct. So if you assume too little on the renovation budget, then you could get killed on, the, um, on renovating expenses. Mm. Or if people use hard money, and they they have to hold on to the investment a lot longer than they expect to then they could get wiped out so it's important to control for those factors
0: gotcha yeah so you told me a lot with the the real estate factor is that like the main like way you're making like profit right now or is it still like just everything
1: Um, i think it's a mix of everything to be honest like it's a pretty diverse mix uh but i am getting a lot from uh flipping as well as uh commercial real estate yeah
0: I think with flipping, that's a very interesting thing. I think a lot of people are very hyped on flipping right now. They are. Is that like something that is easy to do or it's, it sounds like it's very difficult, actually?
1: Yeah, it's definitely not easy. Um, mm. In real estate, one of my mentors, um, he's a founder of the company I work at. Uh, gotcha. He told me, you know, real estate is a great way to make a lot of money or lose mm. a lot of money. <laughs> And (laughs) it's very true because if your assumptions are off, like I mentioned, if your holding period is wrong, if your renovation budget is wrong, or if you expect the market to perform a certain way and it doesn't, then you could get screwed. Like you could lose money. Um, so it's very important to know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So it's not easy to get into for sure, but the profits, especially here in the Bay are great. Like the, (laughs) the spread is like several hundred thousand. Um, right.
0: Unless so you buy a program, house, you right? flip it, you get a few hundred K. Yeah. And is that like in, in what period of time does that take usually?
1: Uh, generally four to six months. And this is like a oh, longer okay. type of uh, months, yeah. situation. That's it can last good. up to like a year.
0: And then do you do multiple projects at once or just?
1: Uh, I'm generally pretty picky. I kind of do like one thing out of ten for flips. Mm,
0: okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's like so a year you could make like 200 K off flips. Yeah, Essentially. or yeah, Why?
1: depending on how well that flip does. Um, right. Also, depends on the market. So, for example, I'm not even flipping right now because there's just way too much competition. Um, oh, your okay. your profit margins are really low right now because um, yeah. the market is just too hot. You're competing with uh, end buyers who don't care about making profit on it, and you're competing with people who just want to do volume. Like, they, mm. they, they can deal with just making 30 grand or 50 grand on a project, whereas I look for, like, the big spreads
0: right so you look for like the 100k or at yeah. least 50k plus type of deals yeah because right. even if I'm and then wrong, also uh,
1: sorry oh yeah even if i'm wrong you have like a safety margin so maybe like right. you it doesn't go up um to like two three hundred k more in value mm-hmm. maybe it only goes up um 150 but you still have a good spread you're still making that money
0: right right yeah this this sounds a little complex <laughs> <laughs> it definitely, I definitely didn't think we were going to go that deep into the, the real estate stuff But that's actually very interesting So would you say that for someone new to investing That's not where you want to be putting your time and effort into Maybe it's like just stocks or maybe it's like crypto What would you suggest for the new investor? Uh,
1: yeah, that's a great question um, I wouldn't go into real estate as my very first investment um, Because it is more complex and you have a lot more to lose And there's a lot of intricacies to the industry um, my bread and butter is more stocks, so I would just go of stocks right um, I don't think it's a huge secret to do stocks um <laughs> it's there <not> that hard. <laughs> right? there's a lot of time tested strategies that work
0: what okay so if i'm I have no idea how to do any stocks I have like let's say five thousand dollars. What should I do with that five thousand right now that you think is the most time tested strategy?
1: I think that easiest possible thing you can do in stocks is just to buy a low-cost index fund and just hold it forever like don't even touch it don't even look at it and just hold it for a really long time if you want to beat the market then you have to do a lot more research and due diligence Um, that's where you buy um, individual stocks
0: right is there so so for the new investor it's just buy that index fund yeah like for me i actually bought like some tech index funds and they were just doing like like what 12% or something and I was like fine or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Is that, so if I'm completely new, I don't want to put much effort into it. That's what you would recommend. Yeah. But then if I want to spend like, let's say a few hours researching, then it's going to be buying individual stocks. That's going to give you the most profit. Right,
1: right. Right. Okay. Yeah. For example, if, if you were investing last year during the pandemic and you knew, you know, like what kind of companies, you wanted the Mm -hmm. S&P 500 did like what I say like 30 40 percent but my individual stocks went up like 300 like 200 percent so you know you just need to be able to analyze the the companies which is it takes time to learn all that stuff but it's useful
0: isn't there like just some newsletter where people can sign up and they already get stock picks like that like what like so that other people are doing the research yeah I think there
1: um, there are uh, companies and individuals that do that The thing with that is you got to be, I guess a lot of people play fast and loose with like the, the regulations, but the SEC can get you pretty hard if they, um, if you don't like follow the line. So the line. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you got, you really got to follow the regulations if you're, if you're the person recommending stocks.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. If you're the person recommending, I was thinking more like the person reading. Oh yeah. Recommendations. Like I know there's like the Motley Fool, right? Or something like that. Yeah. There's Motley Fool.
1: Uh, they're seeking alpha. There's a lot of, um, other, uh, services out there. I don't really use any, so I couldn't recommend any, but, um, there's definitely interesting ideas that are presented by a lot of these different groups and websites.
0: Gotcha. So you don't use any, so that means you just do all of your own individual research.
1: Yeah. So generally I have like a screen of companies that I'm interested in, and then I just keep it on like a, like a fake portfolio and. Uh, that would tell me any interesting news, it would tell me anything regarding these companies, um, any interesting developments. So it doesn't have to be those companies in particular, but let's say that you want to hone in on um, online gaming or like tech stocks, because tech stocks are really accessible to anyone. Mm -hmm. So if you just put all of them in a fake portfolio such as uh, Yahoo Finance or something, then you can uh, keep track of any kind of industry news and. Sometimes there's uh, interesting development, for example, a company gets hammered in a stock price, but you think based on your due diligence and research that the, the price was unfairly hammered, mm-hmm. and therefore it dropped significantly, and therefore you can get it at
0: a significant discount. Gotcha, gotcha. So with that in mind, like, what do you think about like, the meme stocks? Like GameStop was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: yeah, as you know, I run a Asian Investors Network, and we have mm-hmm. um, all sorts of investors there, everywhere. everything from uh, ne- complete newbies to very sophisticated, uh, accredited investors. So I generally stay away from anything meme or hype-related because you have no control over what happens. Right. Like, it's essentially gambling, right? Like You're hoping that it's just going to rise quickly with all the hype. Um, right. So one of our members in Asian Investors Network predicted uh, GameStop back in November 2020, and he put his money where his mouth was. He put in uh, 20 grand. I think his position was worth uh, over 600. Uh, Six
0: hundred grand. Yeah. Oh wow. Uh, and then during he during sell? the <laughs> height of
1: the GameStop craze, but I don't know
0: if he sold. So.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> <you know? yeah. laughs> That's There's the like, problem. You don't
0: know when it's yeah. gonna like collapse.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: If that's very similar to crypto, would you say? Because like, crypto seems to be kind of like almost like a meme stock. They're just going yeah. up and down like crazy. Especially but, with the altcoins. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Is there... So so you kind of... Do you gamble a little bit with altcoins in like, the bitcoins and stuff? Or no, not really?
1: I generally don't gamble at all. Like, I have okay. only made one bet ever in my life, and that was uh, Mayweather versus McGregor. Uh, oh okay where i knew the outcome (laughs) 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 um yeah so as you can see like i like to uh i like to be sure where my money is going and how it's going to perform i i do buy into uh like some of the coins that i think are going to do well um like i like ethereum a lot for example right but i wouldn't go too far into like the out or even like shit coins so to speak
0: (laughs) right (laughs) Right, like you wouldn't be buying like Dogecoin.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, definitely. Like uh, the the coin was literally created as a joke, so. Yeah, uh, so
0: your your philosophy, your investing philosophy is essentially don't gamble. uh, Take the steady approach, like let's say like buying like Fortune 500 stocks that are definitely, or index funds essentially, right? Um, And then just go from there. And then your profit centers are kind of like your real estate as well. Right. Because that's like, right. Right. So stocks are your steady growth, and then Mm -hmm. real estate is your, like, kind of, like, profit. Yeah. In a way. Because if
1: you can do over 10% per year, that's really Mm -hmm. good already. Um, And that's pretty steady. Like, you're going to double your money in seven years um, if you are getting 10% every year. And then if you can hit higher, like, 15%, 20%, then you you can double it in three or five years. So. Right. I think that stocks are a great way for you to uh, park your money because you're not able to deploy everything at the same time.
0: Yeah. Are you the type of person that essentially saves all of your money to like put into stocks and yes, then you don't exactly. really, like you're a very low, like you have a very low cost of living. Yeah. Is that what you do? That's gotcha. exactly what I do. Gotcha. I have a
1: very low cost of living. Um, I don't spend much on myself. I just put everything into investing like for me it's yeah. fun and i get more enjoyment yeah. from that than spending it
0: gotcha yeah no that's a that's a very um like it's it's like a common philosophy especially amongst asians and i think yeah. it's smart uh have you have you um do you are you married or are you single or what's your uh status?
1: i am dating i'm in a relationship
0: okay yeah gotcha gotcha okay. and then like how does your girlfriend cuz i cuz obviously it sounds like you're very frugal right yeah. How does your girlfriend <laughs> feel about it? Did you like it? Um,
1: easy. Self selection. Like I only date um, girls who are down with my philosophy. Who are
0: like frugal too? Yeah. 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 dude. Like that's that's my problem, man. I've been dating too many of the uh, the girls there <laughs> that want me to spend <laughs> Oh
1: no. Yeah. I, I think you know, like you can um, if you're really if it's like a lifestyle for you and like you, you have a lot of fun with them then yeah. they don't feel like they you got to spend at least in my experience, they don't feel like you got to spend in order to have a good time. Like for example, mm. I travel everywhere all the time and yeah. with my girlfriend and you know, we have totally. a lot of fun and on experiences you can be targeted with what you spend.
0: Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. And then also like, so traveling, you said you've been to 40 plus countries, right? Yeah. Like what, um were you single during that time or were you kind of like also still dating
1: um i was usually dating during that time oh okay. uh, usually
0: was, so you're usually yeah. with your like girlfriend when you're traveling okay. yeah 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 because i was like, gonna ask there's like, maybe like several you,
1: years like three years or so that i was single what
0: oh whatever. yeah i was gonna because i was gonna ask like was there any like favorite city for dating or like favorite city just for like fun
1: um favorite city i, I would say like several favorite countries of mine would be uh bali in indonesia gotcha um that's an island in indonesia there's uh philippines i liked it a lot i liked uh Velvet. greece a lot and japan a lot
0: oh okay and
1: nice. then for dating um yeah beijing was really great
0: oh interesting beijing was your favorite yeah i haven't heard it people say that one actually <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they don't they well don't, I, I worked there beijing. for several
1: years so oh that, gotcha
0: gotcha because usually if people talk about China, they talk about like uh, either Taiwan or Shanghai as the main uh, places where it's good for dating. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think there's like a different vibe. Like when you go, I don't know the Taiwan scene, but yeah, I've heard from my friends that it's really great.
0: Right, um, right. It's like a party vibe. It's like yeah. a Western, it's my more Westernized, I think, too. Yeah, yeah. So it's good for like people like uh, who are Asian-Americans.
1: I think Shanghai is more of a... Maybe more of a party. Oh, territory.
0: Shanghai is more of a party scene? Yeah. Than than Beijing.
1: Yeah. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's there's yeah. like a million clubs in Beijing too.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I think um when I went to China it seemed it didn't seem like as popping as like other like Southeast Asia, like Singapore and um uh like uh what what's uh Malaysia or not Malaysia, um Philippines. Mm-hmm um manila sorry manila was like pretty poppin have you ever been to manila yeah oh yeah Manila. Sure.
1: I, I mean I, I i ran a business in the philippines for like six years so gotcha. uh, i spent a lot of time sure. traveling all over the philippines i liked it a lot mm-hmm. yeah i like cebu in particular
0: oh yeah no, i love cebu cebu's yeah. great I, I went there uh, two years ago oh awesome yeah it was great um you know, what's, what was really interesting about you was the Venture Fund for Asian American Founders. Like, is that still going through or what's going on with that?
1: Yeah, we are um, setting up the fund right now. We're preparing mm. like fund documents and so on. But pretty soon we're going to start uh, talking with investors who might be interested in participating in this fund. And then right. uh, we already have like the deal flow set up. So uh, we think that we have a lot of compelling and interesting companies. Uh, that would fit this, uh, this
0: business model. Yep. And is there like a specific niche or is it just all Asian?
1: Yeah. I, I would say that we have to target venture scale returns. So we're right. looking for returns in excess of, let's say, 25 to 30%, uh, which okay. means that they have to scale uh, pretty well. So that might be uh, companies in deep tech, in AI, in right. um, the blockchain, fintech, sass and so on
0: gotcha gotcha no that's awesome i'm i've always wondered why there wasn't like a fund for asian asian americans or actually is this for asian americans or is it for all asians
1: uh i would say our main focus is on asian americans just because we're all uh all the founders of the fund are asian americans Uh, but we're open to exploring more if, if if it fits you know our comfort level
0: Right, right. Did you have a website or a place where people can like get more information on that? I think that's like something yeah. a lot of people would like. Um,
1: I'll, I'll share that with you after. Yeah. It's, it's also called uh, Analect Ventures.
0: Analect Ventures. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll link out to that. I think that's uh, super, super interesting because I think, I don't know if you've felt this, but sometimes it feels like the people who are succeeding that are Asian American don't necessarily pay it back to other Asian Americans. And that's, like, something that I think we need to do better as Asian Americans. Like, like using our network to help propel other Asian Americans to succeed in, like, business and other stuff. What do you think?
1: What's I completely agree with that. Um, that's yeah. partly why I founded uh, Asian Investors Network in the first place. Right. You know, I noticed the same thing you did that, you know, like, we need to do a better job of supporting our own community. You know, um, a mm-hmm. lot of other ne- ethnic groups are really great at this. Uh, But I feel like the Asian American community or possibly even like sometimes Asian groups in general, like we we help out like our family and our immediate circles, but maybe not like the overall community. So I think um, we can do a better job at that. And, uh, you know, Asian Investors Network is my platform to help uh, help do that, to help investors in the Asian community connect, share ideas and knowledge, ask for advice and make deals together.
0: No, that's awesome. I think it goes down to the fact that Asians are kind of competitive with each other. So there isn't that um sense of, hey, I, I, if I help another Asian person, that helps me too. It's like it's almost like I want to prevent this Asian from succeeding. You know, because it's like, if you think about it, like, did you go to Ivy League?
1: I went to a University of California, which is okay, gotcha. considered kind of Ivy League on the West Coast. <laughs> Berkeley or... No, I went to Merced. I was a first class. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, with, with that, like, let's say Ivy leagues, right? It's, it's like, there's only so many spots open, especially for Asians. So it's like that competition of, Hey, if I get in, like I have to prevent someone else from getting in, but I don't, I think what that hurts us in the long run. And that's why we need to like have all these networks come into place. Um. Like, even with South Asians, like, I don't know if you've noticed this, but like South Asians are very, very good at networking and getting their own people in like positions of power. Yeah. So that's like something we need to learn from them. Um, in I agree.
1: I, I, yeah. We can't like, you know, hold each other back. we got to push each other mm-hmm. forward and help leverage our networks because we're so much more powerful as a community, right? right? Our Our whole network becomes more valuable when you contribute to it, when you add value and you're willing to make like introductions or uh, help mentor other people in the community. Yeah. So I I think there's a lot to go around.
0: Yeah. That's why I liked um, everything that you're doing with your investors network. And it's, it's definitely very, very important uh, that we do this because we're also a very small, we're the minority of minorities essentially. So like if we are competitive with each other, then it just makes it so much harder for Asians to succeed, especially in the West. So yeah. we, we really want to, you know, help each other out. And also not only that, but if you think about it, like, like for us, like we're succeeding pretty well for being such a small uh, minority and like having almost like no privilege, right? Because right. we, we came here, well, we have some privilege. Like I don't want to say we don't have any privilege, but we don't have like the privilege of like lo- big networks and like all this like old money, right? right. That like a lot of white people have.
1: Yeah, we gotta create. But for yet
0: we're creating it by ourselves with such a small amount of F, uh, amount of people. So if you just think about like what can happen if we start like pooling our resources together and like actually making a bigger impact, and I think that's like really important. So, um, love it, dude. And then what is your wealth building coaching program?
1: Uh yeah so. That actually came about because I have been kind of like mentoring and teaching people in my uh, friend circles and outside of it, like just connections and so on, uh, you know, tidbits of financial knowledge or like uh, advice that they're seeking throughout the years, like for the past 16 years or so. And I've been giving a lot of uh, seminars, uh, but I never put it all together. And people have been asking me like, hey is there any way you can just kind of distill everything you've been doing and all the knowledge you've gained over the years into like one package? So that's where this mm-hmm. idea came about. Uh, basically, it's uh, it's a way for people to kind of accelerate their financial results, um, whether they are completely new to it or they have like a start already. Um, this is supposed to help you uh, build your wealth over time.
0: Right, right. And what period of time do you think it... Like, are you targeting for this? Is it like sort of like a 10 year program or is it like more like, hey, you can build wealth in like two or three years?
1: It depends on how hard you go, right? Like if you go really hard, you can do it in two or three years. If you're, if you're going really slowly or like taking it step by step, then maybe it'll take you more like five years. But mm-hmm. I would expect anyone after reading and implementing the ideas in this program to come out with a way better trajectory
0: for their uh, net worth yeah hundred percent and then, so for you personally we'll we'll get into some kind of fun questions, okay. but like <laughs> for you personally, has being um, a higher net worth has your life changed at all, or are you still kind of doing the same same stuff?
1: um I think I'm still living the same way I did mm. uh, when I was um not higher net worth, like right. my travel style is still pretty similar. I like doing the whole backpacking uh hostile to hostel type of lifestyle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't say it's changed too much. I, if anything, I, I'd say that after you become accredited, you get access to way more opportunities. So that has right. been a lot of fun.
0: Gotcha. More opportunities to invest in different uh, yeah. pl- uh, places, like, you have, like angel investments, stuff like that. Right, exactly. You have gotcha. uh, better
1: access and better opportunities.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like the main difference is just now you have better opportunities to invest. But in terms of your lifestyle, you just, you're kind of, you haven't changed that much. And that's probably why you're, you you've been increasing your net worth. Cause yeah. I think a lot of guys like they'll make that money and then they're like, all right, let's just buy like <laughs> a Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. Right. Like, you, you can do that, like, if you, if that's yeah. what makes you happy, but then you got to make it yeah. sustainable, too, right? If <laughs> if you're buying, like, Lambos every other year, then, <laughs> you know, you got to.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's. Yeah. I feel like there's that temptation now to do that because of, like, social media and stuff. Because yeah. like, you see all these people. But then, like, how do you stay level-headed with, like, your spending?
1: I, I think one thing that was good for me was my influences happened to be pretty good. Like, my... Mm-hmm. My hero growing up and uh, starting on this investing journey was Warren Buffett. You know, he's okay. legendary for being frugal, for not changing his lifestyle, and for being really badass, even though like he has this like chill vibe. So right. that's kind of me. Like I'm not like I'm not super crazy. I'm not like that flashy. I like the huh. down to earth style. Like you know, you can you can just relate.
0: Yeah. Do you think you'll ever like get to a point where you just have so much money though, and you're just like, "Hey, I just want to <laughs> spend."
1: Because
0: um, I always feel like at some point mm-hmm. I'm just gonna ball out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I like what's the point? Like, if I'm like kind of a little older, I have yeah. like all this money. Like, I'm just gonna ball the hell out. Yeah. <laughs> right? Or what? Do you, like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna do that, or are you just you're just gonna keep investing forever? I think.
1: You know, we should do whatever makes us happy and is sustainable. So for right. me, I don't know, maybe I ball out on more of my, I've definitely increased my spending over the years. Like right. I, sp- I put way more money into the sports and activities that I like, like my hobbies, gotcha. uh, on my travel. Um, definitely spend more than I did back in the day. Mm-hmm. I in terms yeah, of like, seem like balling out, I don't know, maybe like, yeah, no, I was like, you seem,
0: you're actually very similar to my dad like he's he's has the ex, almost <clears throat> the exact same philosophy as you where it's just it's just um save 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 and then you know he has a good um, like net worth as well so that's good that's awesome. um yeah I know it's it's definitely like I think a solid way to like start making money like is there any cuz I think for the the people nowadays they want to hear if there's any hacks or like any tips or tricks Um, is there anything that you can share like along those lines or, or not really?
1: Yeah. Um, there are a lot of hacks that you can do to accelerate your progress. I think the main one is, um, or there's a couple ones. I I just share everything that comes to mind. One is that the harder you go, the faster you get there. So what I mean by that is you got to make sacrifices in the beginning. Like if you're constantly balling out in the beginning, like you're not going to have money left over to do anything for yourself right Mm. and investing is a game where if you have more time in it more knowledge and understanding and more money in it then you can achieve way better results like if you started 10 years ago with like you know a lot less money you'd have to spend and invest a lot more money today to achieve the same result so it's better to start early so that's like great news for people who are young and just starting Right. Um so you know, just have well, let
0: me stop you there for a sec. So yeah. so is there like a target like let's say let's say I just got out of college, right? Yeah. And then I just have my first job. Let's say I'm making like seventy K a year or something. Yeah. Right. Like, do you would you say like, hey, make sure you put put aside five hundred dollars like a week or something, or whatever it is. Like, is that how you would think about it, or is there like a different way to like systematically like start saving more?
1: Yeah, I think the I'm, I'm best at systems. Um, mm-hmm. So basically what you can do with that is you set up a budget uh, annually and then it can include, you know, whatever your expense categories are, like food, uh, travel and transportation, uh, social life uh, and personal stuff. Right. And then you put in a contingency for like, you know, maybe you go over it this month and then you, you can make up for it in this little contingency bucket. So right. you try your best to uh, gain discipline and not go outside of that that budget then anything else that isn't being spent goes into investing so Mm. the higher you can make that number like if you can hit like a 50% um savings rate that's really solid um
0: 50% savings rate okay yeah so like if you're if your take-home pay is like 4,000 then you would save 2,000 yeah to for you put into investing
1: right that might be hard when you're first starting out but it'll be easier as you get uh as you get more pay yeah
0: Yeah, but even uh, on a practical <clears throat> level like is there like you know there's like apps like mint.com or stuff like that is that what yeah. you use or how would you recommend them like to even track all that stuff
1: i just use excel um i oh interesting yeah i'm, I'm a huge <laughs> excel guy like even for my yeah. my company we, we run off of uh excel and we, you know we <laughs> we run like one, uh, over a billion bucks worth of investor capital oh so, wow yeah it's it's That's very easy yeah uh excel is very powerful i love yeah. it yeah
0: yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I feel like the millennials these days are not gonna, <laughs> not gonna like that though. They're gonna want to like well, some kind of app. here's other
1: hacks. You can make more money. <laughs> yeah. So right. The way you can make more money is uh, is a couple of things. One is you gotta. Most people are gonna be working a job. Like to to be honest, most people aren't gonna start their own business and be like wildly successful at it. Most people are gonna right. be working their jobs and if you want to make more money at your job then you gotta learn how to negotiate your salary because that Mm -hmm. one conversation alone is worth thousands of dollars so for example in my course i cover like pretty briefly um, the salary negotiation aspect and it's not like rocket science you just have to practice and you have to know what to do and if you do it well like everyone i've uh, shared this with like my personal friends and so on like they're able to make like several grand off of that one conversation alone and that number balloons over time because you have like a higher base salary. Let's say that you're able to add like five grand to your base salary. So next year, if they adjust it and they just give you the bare minimum of like three to 5%, it's off of that higher base salary. So that's one way to just make extra money right off the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing you can do is um, what everyone likes to do these days, which is start a side hustle. But it has to be something that's worth your time. So I don't consider driving for dollars or like, you know, anything where you're trading manual labor for, for money, uh, like a side hustle. It mm-hmm. might help pay the bills, but that's not going to help you long term because you're not growing anything for yourself. Like, it doesn't pay you after you stop doing it. So to be a viable revenue source, it should be something like um, that after you build it, it will, it will scale with your efforts and it will pay you right. over time.
0: So like Mm -hmm. digital products, for example, that's actually something that I'm in. Um, I'm in that field with uh, my main business, which is like a software. So I have a software as a SaaS, or sorry, SaaS, software as a service uh, company. And we basically help uh, other like small businesses or like small creators like sell their digital products. So it could be like courses, it could be like eBooks, stuff like that. I think that's like, I'm really glad you brought that up because I think that's a huge um like way to make money because i know one of my friends right now he's in like the fitness space but he works at a like a accounting firm yeah and he's doing like uh like courses as a side hustle and even though it's like small right now it has the potential to like scale and then eventually it could become his like main job So i think it's really important to really get those side hustles going i totally Um, agree yeah
1: because it also um changes up your revenue, like, let's say that you get laid off. Um, If you're only working a job, your income goes from 100% to 0%, right? Right. Whereas if you had like a significant side hustle, then maybe it's only like 75, 25. Or maybe that side hustle eventually eclipses your job and you can just focus on that.
0: Right. So you're, so you have a, are you like actually employed by a company right now? I am. Yeah. Okay. So you're an actual, but then these are your side hustles, like flipping real estate and like investing in all this stuff these are all your side hustles i do a lot of stuff on the side right right but would you say your job is like your main revenue source or is it just the other stuff
1: uh i'd say the other stuff is actually more lucrative
0: oh interesting yeah so then you just really like your job then
1: yeah (laughs) Yeah.
0: because then that's why you're still in it right because most people hate their job like, yeah, if you hate your job, out. then, you know, you should, you should look at <laughs> <Yeah>. getting out. <laughs> but, yeah, if you hate your job, get out. Yeah, that's a good yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, that's like, that seems like really easy advice, but it's just like, it's hard to do when that's yeah. like your 100% revenue source.
1: Yeah, but, I think it's important to find something that you can be really passionate about and will make you money. Like, you can right. be passionate about something, but it doesn't, doesn't make you money, then it
0: can't be your job, right? Mm-hmm. Or it can't be your work. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, um, 100%. You're talking about for a side hustle, or are you talking about for your main job? uh for both
1: because like if you're if you're doing a side hustle seriously you gotta put in the time and the effort like you gotta be thinking about it constantly you gotta be thinking about how can i improve this what's my next step you know how can i expand this thing or how can i make it sustainable yeah right so it's important that you like it so much that you're you think of it even on your own as opposed to like i have to do this because it's my side hustle
0: yeah, no, I think that's a hundred percent true. Like, I think there's so many people trying to start businesses, but then they're just like doing it just because it's like an opportunity, uh, but they're not like actually passionate about the business. And that's a quick way for that business to fail because like, like, like I do business. Right. And I know that I think about it all the time. Right. And if I'm not thinking about it, then, um, you know, the business isn't going to do that well. So if you can't really sustain that level of co- of concentration into your side hustle or your business, then that's not, it's generally not going to succeed with like some exceptions if the opportunity yeah. is like really, really good. So, totally um, so yeah, I think it's just, that's really, really important. The hard part though, with that, like, I don't know if you cover this in your course, but the hard part is sometimes your passion is not necessarily monetizable <laughs> for a lot of people. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> right. That, that's that's an issue um like for example i'm not an artist so i wouldn't know how to uh, monetize that but i imagine that you know that space is going to be pretty tough um but i think it's okay to separate like your your passions and your interests from your um side hustles like you can pursue something else that interests you that's not like your main passion yeah. yeah
0: yeah i think uh with a lot of these things now that are you know what's really good now is the artists are teaching like other people how to like draw and stuff and then they have like patreons yeah i don't know if you know what patreon is yeah but they have like little things where they can teach you how to like draw or they give you like their brushes and stuff like that actually i'm 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 an uh not an artist but like i do some art just for fun and then i buy like other people's like tutorials and stuff so it's like that's a really good side hustle i think it's important to to like if you are in the artist artistic field, mm-hmm. you can teach other people like how to do your art, and that's a that's a side hustle in itself.
1: It is. It's yeah. it's important to find that niche, because mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think the key to building wealth is really attacking it from all angles. Like you gotta you gotta be saving, you gotta be making more money than just your job, and mm-hmm. you gotta be investing. Like those, yeah. are, and you gotta plan for the future. Those like yeah. are the four things that yeah. will build your wealth.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think for me, I, I've, I've saved up a good amount, but I've also kind of, I don't know. I've, I feel like I don't save as much as you probably. <laughs> Cause I, I do, I definitely do go out and I do spend some, yeah. um, but it's, it's one of those things where I, for me personally, I feel like there's a balance to that. Yeah. Like, what do you think about that? Are you like, is it just basically like what you kind of want or what is your philosophy?
1: I, I think you're right uh, there has to be a balance like if mm-hmm. you find joy in saving every last penny, then you know right. by all means go for it but um, there is a balance to like withholding things from yourself i I'm a firm believer and you gotta reward yourself if you've done a good job like um, right. like if I want something that I consider like a luxury, like for example like a a rifle like a sniper rifle or something. Mm or like a, a trip to somewhere and i have to spend a lot more for it like a diving trip then i'll tie it to like some sort of achievement like if i hit this right. then i'll reward myself with with this thing or um or just yeah. experiences like i'm i'm very willing to spend on unique experiences that like kind of enrich my life that i can't really get elsewhere where Definitely. where i think trips like, and stuff you can save on is stuff that you kind of forget about like if i were to buy like a shirt and I forget about it in a month. Then you know, what was the right. point? <laughs> or no like, point. I I buy like a five hundred dollar meal, and then like in like two months I forget about it. Then it wasn't. well the oh,
0: five hundred dollar meals are never good. Yeah, like, honestly, <laughs> no. Like recently, I bought like uh, because I had like a Mother's Day meal, mm-hmm. and it was like eight hundred. It was. It was, and it was horrible. It was literally oh, horrible. God. This right? in <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> it was in Vegas. Yeah, it was like. Oh yeah. no. I don't want to call out the company. But <laughs> okay. it was, it was, Like, cause they're actually. Asian put them on owned. blast. I actually, okay. I want to put them on blast. I, but like, I don't want to like blow up their spot. But yeah, it sure. was one of the worst like fine dining experiences I've ever had. Right. That sucks. <laughs> it was sorry. horrible. It was horrible. Nah, it's fine. It's fine. I, yeah, honestly, I'm laughing about it now. But yeah, but I'm just the point is like, dude, those $500 meals are never as good as like the the $10 tacos you eat at the. <laughs> the taco yeah, truck.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like you don't need to be going crazy to, to get like yeah. really good experiences. Like I had a I had a private chocolate buffet where it was just me, my girlfriend, and the chocolatier. And yeah. she would bring out like these uh, handcrafted uh, creations that she made. Like explain the origin of each dish <laughs> and, you know, like serve it to you and like, you know, yeah. chat with you during the in- entire experience. And I, that whole thing was seven bucks.
0: Oh yeah. oh yeah. Oh right, right.
1: Yeah. I'm that's I'm a lot more willing awesome. to spend when I feel like I'm getting a deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like that one.
0: <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. That's how they get you though with the deals. <laughs> I know.
1: I know. That's um
0: true. That's all awesome. but we you kind of alluded it to it, but like you have a girlfriend. Yeah. Have you ever like, is is like finance and someone who's very like also into the finance aspect and the frugalness, is that a huge factor in you choose a girlfriend or like a potential date
1: yeah so for me i'm kind of uh picky like i have a very certain type and that type is generally like a high achiever who has uh similar values as me has a similar has a good connection with me and um Mm -hmm. and just similar values so i'm also like a no drama type like you know everyone i date is always like rational we don't get in fights over nothing um there's like pretty much never any drama so i think that's really important in finding like a, a partner like you want someone who shares your goals and ideas like i want to be yeah. i want a partner like as someone who will help me build my empire like be on my team right That that's like the type of that's uh, yeah
0: that sounds like right, someone yeah. you could find in beijing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah there Cause, is cause, like those people, people, people are more of on like the they're they're studious they're usually like very uh into everything that you just said yeah kind of I mean, that's probably why you like Beijing so much right right, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah that's awesome yeah I noticed that I noticed that too when I was over there because I, I interned for a company and oh, like cool. the, the ladies there were like very like sort of like business oriented and they were like pretty smart so that's awesome man um, is there anything right now that you would like to pitch or promote we're pretty much the end of the interview Sure. Yeah. Um,
1: I would say that, um, if you're interested in investing, uh, definitely join the Asian investors network, uh, where i you can awesome. find us on Facebook. Uh, if you like to accelerate your financial results, you know, feel free to join my uh, course. Yeah. You can find a link to my, the waiting list for the course on my Instagram, which is uh, success life goals. Um, hmm Awesome. And success life goals yeah awesome. success life goals i can send you the link afterwards
0: yep yep we'll link to it awesome thank you so much man i think this was very helpful i think the the main lessons were just attack your income from multiple areas and or sorry attack your net worth from multiple angles and yep. then um you know do the slow steady thing and then you know in five ten years you're doing pretty good
1: yeah <laughs> i, I want to add right. that as you um mm. as you attack your network from every angle you're going to have mm. a lot more opportunities to do so like right for example after i first became a millionaire my right. opportunities kind of skyrocketed and you know at first you know like the first hundred thousand was hard then the next like five hundred thousand was also hard and then but then like from 500 to a million was a lot easier and then from a million and higher it was really easy it was really easy (laughs) that's why the rich get richer dude so it accelerates
0: over time that's why the rich get richer that's 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 (laughs) exactly it's true (laughs) yeah well is it you know a a little comment about that though i think that's because you have the opportunity to take sometimes bigger risks right because when you're making so little money like you like so much portion of your money is spent to like your daily expenses like survival even right? Yeah. Whereas like when you have like a million bucks in the bank, you have the ability to now take some bigger risks. Kind of like how VC funds, they, they, they only need like one out of 10 companies to be a huge hit and right. then they can make a massive profit, Yeah, right? So that's kind of like the similar thing when you are increasing your net worth from that 100k to 500k and then a million plus is when you have that freedom. Is that pretty yeah. accurate you'd say? i I think so, but it's also
1: that i I don't feel like I'm taking on more risks like i'm I'm right. also like still doing the same things in terms of due diligence and so on um right. because your your losses get way bigger if you if you yeah. if you invest a lot more
0: um yeah would, but opp- there's do, more opportunities though like, yeah for example you can't do more. real estate if you're only if you only have a hundred k in the bank yeah necessarily i mean you could i guess but it it'd be harder yeah,
1: yeah i right? i think with regards to real estate, there's a great way to make income without putting in anything. And you can mm-hmm. learn about real estate investing, and that's uh, wholesaling. Um, okay. I think that's a great ha- side hustle for people looking to get into real estate
0: investing. Interesting. Okay. And what does that consist of?
1: Um, so basically, you are helping investors identify properties that are suitable investment properties. And then okay. you uh, you get a cut or you get a fee if that investor closes on that property. So you go out and look for the investment property. The investor looks at it and decides whether or not they want to go for it. And if they do go for it and uh, buy it, then you get a cut or you get a fee. So I have a friend who's making like uh, over 200 grand only doing wholesaling. Like Like a year,
0: 200 grand a year? Yeah. Nice. So what like... I guess why would they trust you or like what is like what what's the value that you're bringing to the table is it just you're doing the research yeah so investors don't have time to
1: go out and like door knock do the mailers Mm -hmm. and and do all that themselves they either don't want to or or it's like not their their business to do so so if you specialize in finding the deal like you know each investor's criteria like you can you can just ask each person like if you're a serious investor, you kind of have criteria, right? You know what you're looking for. You have a certain budget. You have a certain area. You have uh, certain things that you're okay with and not okay with. Like, for example, yeah. if, if you need to fix the roof or the foundation, is that a is that a deal breaker or no? Um, if it's in Oakland right. versus like San Jose, is that a deal breaker or no? So gotcha. you find that exact type of property and pitch it to them. And uh, then you, you, you can lock it up and then pitch it to them or you can just pitch it to them and, and go from there. Mm -hmm. So
0: the value that you bring is
1: that you have deals. Everyone's always looking for deals.
0: Gotcha. So you do all the research, but then you kind of need, don't you need to have a name for yourself to do that? Because like, why would they like, let's say for me, I don't know how to do that. Like, why would they even trust like my research? Um, It's really based off of how well you can do the
1: research. They they don't care if you have no experience, if you are bringing like a solid deal. Let's say that you you are just getting started, and then you brought me a deal that I think is like a hundred grand undervalued. You know, uh-huh. I I I, I or automatically trust you because you br- just brought me a great deal, right? It's mm. if you if you're sh- showing them random properties that don't fit their criteria at all, then you know that's obviously not a good way to approach it. Right. But if you know what they're looking for and um, you do your research right, then you can. It's gotcha. not very
0: hard. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Actually one more one more thing, because I want to get some quick like little bites that we can use for like uh TikTok and stuff. Sure. But like can you pitch five stocks that you really like right now? Can I pitch five stocks that I really like <laughs> Um let me think. You can look at your Robinhood yeah, if you want. <laughs> look it up. Yeah. And then actually when you pitch them, like give us like a little, little bit on why you think that stock is like pretty good.
1: If I had to go with five stocks, I would go with uh, these. Okay.
0: Okay.
1: I like Alibaba. The ticker is B-A-B-A. And I like it because right now I think that it is unfairly punished for investor concerns. So the time that you make money as an investor is when people are fearful and that's when you get greedy. Or people mm. are greedy and then you get fearful. That's like a Warren Buffett quote. Or I think uh, Rockefeller put it even better. The best time to buy is when blood is running in the streets. Mm. So what that means is you want to be buying when everyone's scared of something. That's how I've gotcha. made the vast majority of my um, profits and stocks. I always buy when people are scared and the biggest winners for me were last year, March 2020, Uh, I I went all-in on stocks Mm -hmm. as well as March 2009. I went Mm -hmm. all-in at that time too, but I just had a lot less capital. So the reason I like BABA or Alibaba is because everyone's scared of China right now. Everyone is worried about the Chinese government um, taking out tech leaders in Chinese companies left and right and i think there is some validity to that uh concern like for example i mean alibaba is not without risk for sure there's an element of risk there but i do think that that risk is not that high relative to the reward that it brings so alibaba is a very well-run company it has a lot of uh, profit it has a lot of uh, strong and growing sectors and it is uh, poised to grow with the Chinese economy, which it will inevitably take over the American economy by 2027 or so. So mm-hmm. if you want a great company that's solidly managed, has great cash flows and profits, uh, good margins, and a bright and grim future, I think that Alibaba is a great bet. <clears throat>
0: Dude, that was a great pitch. <laughs> Thank that you. was an awesome pitch. All right, let's hear the next one. <laughs> that's what I do all day. Yeah, okay. That's awesome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, so the next one is JD, also known as JD Logistics. This is another bet on the China story. So if you wanted exposure to the Chinese uh, tech sector, you, want, you, you have names like Alibaba, you have names like Pinduoduo, And you have uh, names like JD JD is not exactly like uh, Alibaba it is a logistics conglomerate it is a fantastic uh, killer in the logistics space and it prides itself on being able to deliver really low-cost goods to customers and this is another fantastic way to profit off of the uh, tech sector in China Without the regulatory exposures that um, some that have troubled companies like Alibaba and others, so JD awesome. is another very well-run company. It's been undervalued for some time, and I think that it has a lot of room to grow. Nice, love it. All right, next one we have is Lockheed Martin, LMT. So. What I like about Lockheed is that there is a military-industrial complex in the US. Like We never lower our military spending, and I don't see that trend going away anytime soon. We have always made military a huge priority in America, and Lockheed is the one that produces the F-35 jets. But even without that, I think that uh, betting on the defense sector in uh, America is just a solid long-term play. Um, they have a lot of advantages that cannot be easily overcome, and that's something that I always look for in any uh, company that I invest in. You want solid, sustainable, competitive advantages that are very difficult to break into. And Lockheed has a lot of these. It it costs a lot of money in order to uh, break into any sort of uh, defense sector, and these government contracts are recurring and they provide a, a solid amount of revenue. Um, so, That's why I like clocking. Nice. Um, There is another one (coughs) called... uh, Let's see. Give me a second here. Okay. So another one to profit off of could be Mimecast Limited, or MIME, M-I-M-E. So this is a cybersecurity provider. As you know the security sector is huge and the cyber cybersecurity is only going to grow from here on out. Um, we've seen a lot of very high profile cases where hackers have been able to break into lots of different companies and cause untold millions in damages and it is very very disruptive to every business and it's a huge and grown concern for every single business out there. So what Momcast does is they focus on very narrow slice of that. And that slice is the email security. So they focus on email security, and um, they are a leader in that space. And when I bought it, it was uh, very undervalued. It has since gone up like 40%. Uh, so maybe you want to wait. But uh, I think that that position is pretty secure for me. Nice. Um, and then lastly, maybe I want to pitch something that has been a big winner for me. <laughs> so uh, at the height of the pandemic, I did a lot of research into companies that I thought were going to perform well when the inevitable rise came. I thought that the uh, pandemic was unfairly punishing every company. So this is your chance to really get uh, and pick up a lot of really great companies at a discount. So I thought that uh, fintech in particular would do really well once uh, the economy started opening back up. And furthermore, there is a emerging economy in Brazil. Brazil is one of the largest economies in the, the world, and it's only going to get bigger. They have a huge population, they have a very diversified economy, and they have a lot of opportunity. They have a lot of risks with their political leadership and so on, but I don't think that that's going to tank the, the economy. And so there's a company that I invested in during the height of the pandemic, and I bought it for 20 bucks. Uh, it's called uh, Stoneco, S T N E. Um, it mm-hmm. has gone as high as uh, 95 during the past year. Uh, right now it's hovering at 67 bucks, but I don't really care. I'm just going to hold on to this thing for the long term. I think that uh, this company is poised to um, do well as the Brazilian economy gets better and better and grows over time. My mm-hmm. holding period for many stocks is basically years and years. Like I have, I'm have, mm. i very patient. I can wait for a long time for my company to grow. As it happened during the pandemic, everything just skyrocketed, so I didn't even have to wait very long. But generally, I'm okay with just waiting.
0: So when you get your return, that's when you sell? Like if you want a specific return, then you sell it at that point? For stocks, you no. Keep
1: it? For stocks, I have oh. a very different strategy than real estate. For right. real estate, yes. Once I hit that return, then I'll sell it. Gotcha. But for stocks, I'll just keep holding on to it. And the only time I'll sell it is when I think that something fundamental has changed with the business where I no longer believe in them. Or I'm right. out of capital and I need to liquidate for
0: something. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And then you would like, li- let's say you would liquidate and then you would maybe put into a, like a real estate deal or something because you think it's going to get you like stuff like that, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So for example, um, I had last year during the pandemic, there was a ton of opportunities. So I just went crazy. Like I had to arrange oh, yeah. capital from all over the place. So I had to liquidate some positions. I had to, um, rearrange okay. other stuff, but
0: yeah, that, that's a good time to, to do it isn't that like a little risky because like those positions that you liquidated are those are those like your worst positions or something or like because what if those could also just go up themselves you know yeah so i generally only
1: liquidate positions where i feel like the potential isn't that great anymore gotcha
0: gotcha yeah. so you so you okay you take the, the lowest potential and then you put it into like higher potential stuff
1: okay. yeah yeah the stuff that i think are real real winners i don't care if it drops like 50 percent or whatever i'll just buy mm. more yeah i can i can just hold on like i think as an investor you have to ha- be really in control of your emotions like yeah. you have to have a solid control of if you see like 50 drops wherever you're, you're cool it. you just keep buying
0: awesome dude awesome i think yeah. we'll end it there i think this is a lot of a lot of good info dude thank you i hope um, that was helpful I'll, yeah it was i think it'll i think we'll uh, get some some good uh good stuff out of this so i'm gonna stop the recording but uh stay on